Hey, thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's just give Harrison a big hand and the kids team. They do such a great job. So great. Love Nathan. You did a great job. That was awesome. Hey, didn't Nathan do a great job last week preaching? Can you give Nathan a big hand? So love him. Katie and the worship team. It's awesome. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to go John chapter two today. We're in this series that we called Built Different. And it it really stems from the idea out of Psalm 127 that says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And so the idea is that all of us are builders. We're building. And so we talked about building a marriage with God. Let God build the marriage. And we spent a whole Sunday working on that. Then we talked about family and parenting, and all of us are in different seasons when it comes to family, but family is so intricate and so detailed and so much a part of our lives. So we talked about letting the Lord build the house, and we talked about how to build on God with God as your foundation and in relationships with the family. And then uh, last week, uh, we had a great message on building godly friendships, and today I want to go after fellowship. I want to go after community. And so um, we're going to go John 2 in just a moment. Let me, let me just read this kind of phrase that caught my attention in study, and then I'll pray, and then we'll go John 2. But here's what it says. It says this, early church, Acts speaking, famous text. Actually, we dug in on this a little bit when we were uh, working through Acts, and we, we camped out here, which is why it was still in my memory. But I just want you to see this phrase. It says this, they devoted themselves, so early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, just, and to fellowship, devoted to fellowship. I'm gonna highlight that, kind of battering ram, go after that today, and to fellowship, devoted to fellowship. Early church, devoted to fellowship. So of course they're devoted to the teaching, the word of God. This one is something that, man, maybe we could dig in on and learn a little bit from, devoted to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and then, of course, and to prayer. So you got four things there. We're going to go after just that fellowship one. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you so grateful for what you're doing. And I ask, Lord, that you would help all of us, God, build (laughs) faithful to you. We don't want to labor in vain. And we find ourselves working on our marriages. We find ourselves working and building in the realm of family and friendships. And God, as we connect here at church, We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would build the house. Would you be at work supernaturally beyond just our own charisma, our own personalities, our own explanations? God, we pray for your work to be done. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This week, uh, my son Justice and I picked up uh, Dawson from small group, and uh, we went out for burgers. And uh, America's pretty awesome uh, because you got lots of burger options. And I found myself as an American consumer enjoying all the options. And so we went to a new place and it was, it was a place that we'd never been, to, been before. And my sons are such American consumers uh, and enjoy the diversity of burgers that after we got the burgers, we were ranking burger places. 
And so I don't know if you've ever done that, but we did that. And so we were saying, okay, in and outs, number one. And then, uh, and then, and then, and then of course, in, in our world, I grew up with Whataburger and never thought much of it. But now Patrick Mahomes is like uptick, just in credibility. And so we were talking about where's Whatab- Whataburger kind of fit. And is that in the top 10? And Dawson had it in the top five. And, and, and we were just kind of having burger dialogue. And because we're Americans, where we've got access to lots of different burger places, we had the ability to have that conversation. So both my boys love Five Guys. So, so they're high on Five Guys. And there's that debate on if In-N-Out or Five Guys is better. And, and so we're having this conversation. And actually, when we ordered the burgers, one son said, I want a burger, nothing on it, only ketchup. And because he's a young American, he got exactly what he ordered. No, nothing but ketchup. The other son said, I want everything on it, no ketchup. Wait, did I say the same thing? I want just ketchup and no ketchup, right? Yeah, so everything on, so they both wanted opposites. So, so they got it exactly like they wanted it. And, and, and it was like, I love America. Like you get it the way you want it. It's awesome, right? And I was thinking about even just this week about how great it is to live as an American consumer because uh, this week when I ran out of toothpaste, I did not wait to go to Walmart. I literally got it in my cart on Amazon like before 7 a.m. Like I was consuming early in the morning, like just bam, on my iPhone. I'm not saying it got there that quickly. I'm saying it was in the mail and it arrived and you just have that feeling of power. I get it the way I want it quickly is awesome. I don't know if you've been to Walmart recently, but you can literally just go up and have somebody bring the groceries to your car. It's, it's pretty amazing. And then you just talk to them. How's it going? Nice. And, and, and you're, you literally don't even go in anymore. Like, I mean, it used to be that you would just look at all the cereal boxes and all the canned foods and just think, wow, America's amazing. All this comes to me. Now, not only is there, it's like they, they can bring it to you. I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. When you go to order, you're like, how long is he going to go on? I don't know. I'm having fun. <laughs> I'll just give you a couple more. When you go to Chipotle right now, you don't even have to you don't even have to like go through that line anymore. Like you can just order from an app and go pick up a bag, bam, the way that you want it. Like it's pretty incredible. It's pretty amazing. I could keep going, but I'll stop. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that I think that we have habits of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, growing up in a consumer culture. And honestly, in terms of getting the product that you like, it's incredible. It's amazing. And even from childhood ordering burgers, my kids are growing up in a consumer culture. So it would make sense that the rhythms that we've had as Americans since childhood, the rhythms that we have all week long, we would have a tendency to take into a Sunday, the fellowship. It just makes sense that that would be the rhythm. So that you go to church and you go, (laughs) hey, just like I want my burger or my burrito or my toothpaste, I want the kind of worship that I like. Come on. I want someone that can sing it a little louder or sing it a little quieter. Or Why do they jump so much or they jump too little? Well, I I want a preacher that's just a little bit taller. I wish he was a baller. No, I'm just like, I want a preacher that, or, or I want... I want my chair to be, I want, I want my small group. Of, and it just, it just makes some sense that we would take that consumer Americanism that we have and works great as an economy, but it's really the opposite of what we read about in Christianity. And so we want to transition that we would not be consumer Christians, but that we would be consumed Christians. John chapter two, Jesus enters into the temple 
It's a famous moment because he clears it out. So he walks into the temple and you know the story. It's the story where he's got the whip and what goes on is he sees worship taking place in such a way that he says, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves or the NIV into a marketplace. So you've turned worship into what you want it to be. It's not about God, it's about you. And then he says that phrase, zeal for his house has consumed me or zeal for your house consumes me. Quoting Psalm 69, he's quoting David, but what's going on inside of Jesus is a lens that says, I care about my father. So he's not coming in saying what I want. He's walking into the house of God and saying, I care about what God wants. I care about my father. Imagine with me if when you think about church and you think about worship and you think about being a part of the saints, the fellowship, it's a Greek word koinonia. It's an intimate relationship. It's friendship. It's doing life together. When you think that way, if it, more than the lens of what do I want, give me that burger, give me that toothpaste, give me the way that I like it, give me the way I want it. If you have in your mind, in your brain, in your heart, in the way that you're thinking about the fellowship, how does God see this? What, is, what, is, what does my father want? What does God delight in? So that rearranges the way that you think about Sundays because I have a tendency just like you on Sunday to think, how do I want this? I would love some brunch. I would love to golf. Not really me golfs, maybe you. I mean, I'm not that good of a golfer, but I would love to watch the NCAA basketball tournament, right? That's true. I would love, and it's, it's just so ingrained in us to think about me, 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 me. But I just want you to see Jesus here and instead of the lens that says me, I want you to see Jesus walking into the temple and he is consumed with his father. And he says, zeal for your house is consuming. And really that idea, zeal, he's saying, I have passion that my father would be honored. I have zeal that my father would be worshiped rightly. I don't want this to be about you making a dollar. I don't want this to be about what you want. No, let's do this my father's way. Zeal for his house consumes me. I care about my father. When my father is not honored, whoo, I care. So imagine if even thinking about the way that you think about Sundays, it was not just about what I feel like today. And all of us would go, oh man, I don't know if I could want to log on today. I'd rather just read the news. I don't know if I want to even engage in joining in church today because fill in the blank. But that's, that's about me. And I want to invite you to flip it and to think about what happens if you take the lens that Jesus has when he enters the temple in John 2 and you say, I'm not a consumer Christian. I'm a consumed Christian. So Father, what do you want? How could I bring you honor? How can my church bring you honor? How can my family bring you honor on this day? And what does it look like when I enter in and I worship not based upon my own preferences, but based upon the worth of God, who you are? It's a whole different way of, of thinking about it. And maybe, maybe you go, I care. I care that you be lifted up. And one more voice proclaiming, great is my God. One more voice 
gathering with the congregation in the house of God, whether it's a cafeteria or whether it's an event space or whether it's online, saying, worthy is the lamb. All is for your glory. It's not about me. That's my own lyric. I'm making it up. It's about you. I uh, had my dad, uh, as, as I've been telling the story about uh, my dad's supernatural healing and just my gratitude toward it, I've, I've put some stories on social media. And uh, so I had uh, someone comment on there and he commented about my dad. And uh, in commenting about my dad, uh, he was he said, he said, it's interesting that God did a miracle. He got, we got into a, a debate about God doing miracles. And he said, God did a miracle for old man Perkins. O-L-E, old man Perkins. Now, if you've been around Radiant for very long, you know that my dad means a lot to me. And there was something that when I read that on Facebook, it just didn't sit right with me. Right? Like, hey, listen, uh, you, could call, you, could, you could call me something like that. Like, but, 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 mm, mm. You, you, I mean, I didn't pull out a whip like Jesus did in the temple, but I, I, pfft, I, I had a little bit of, let me, let me tell you how this, let me tell you how this works. And so my John 2 clearing out the temple was bam, comment, hey, here's what dad, parentheses, not old man Perkins. And in so doing, I was communicating, I'd like a little bit more honor for that, for my dad than that. That's what Jesus is doing times a billion where he steps into the temple and he goes, hold on a second. Let's take this up a level. The, he's, he's bigger than you imagine. He's worth a little bit more than what you're giving. You don't get to pick how you do this. He is worthy of your worship. He is God, you're not. And let's not turn the temple into a den of thieves or a marketplace. And imagine if you and I thought about Sundays with, this is not just about me. I want as many worshipers around the throne today. This is not just about me. No, we gather for God. This is beyond just my desire to stay on social media today because I got a lot to do. This is beyond just I got to pay some online bills today. This is beyond just I got to catch up on some emails or after all, I'm really, really tired and I had a long work week and nobody understands how hard my life is. Okay, I got it. So that the lens shifts from just me, no doubt about it, you got a challenging life. But that you, part of your motivation to gather with the congregation online or in person is he's worthy. He's God. And so God, zeal for your house has consumed me. If there's one more worshiper around the throne declaring you are awesome today, count me in. Yeah, but I could sleep. Yeah, but he's worthy. Yeah, but I can get a little bit more work done so I get a little more of my bank account so I can feel a little more secure. Yeah, but he's worthy. So you put, just put a different lens. Well, I don't just gather based upon my convenience and what I can get out of it. I gather because of the worth of God. Jesus in the temple, John 2, is talking about not anybody else. He's talking about his father. So if you get kind of an uptick in that, kind of changes. Easy to stay in isolation. Isolation's easy. And isolation's getting easier and easier in our culture. But the great need for us is to step out of isolation and into fellowship, into relationships. 
And I know that we talk about it and then it's easy to think, well, I don't know. My personality is I like isolation. I just want to encourage you that the way of Christianity is fellowship and relationship. Even when we look at, we're Trinitarian. We believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. It's, it's a fellowship. It's from the beginning. Even the beginning when we read in Genesis, it's not good that man would live alone. Six times is good, is good, is good. Alone is not good. And then there, I mean, we read about God developing a covenant with Abraham and using a family. I'm telling you, the way of Christianity is fellowship. It's, it's, the, it's the Old Testament with God's covenant with Abraham. It's the early church that we read about. It's just all through the scriptures. And so I want to encourage you to think, not this is my personality. I am this number on the Enneagram. Therefore, I am justified to stay isolated. No, I want to invite you to think beyond that and think, I got to stay connected. If I'm not connected, anything that gets disconnected, vine, arm, by itself, all analogies, it eventually dies, withers and dies. You got to stay connected. And you want to stay connected to the body. And so even when we think not just about present reality, not just thinking about present community or present fellowship, but I want you to see that even our future destiny is fellowship. Bear with me. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine says that I looked and there was a multitude that no one could count from every tongue, tribe, and nation worshiping around the throne. I just want you to see, that's a group. That's a gathering. (laughs) You're gonna be in a gathering in heaven declaring great is God, holy, worthy, awesome. So gathering to worship is our future destiny. So it is our present intentional community, but it's where this all is going. So we have a tendency to say, hey, I have my own personal likes, which is easy to do because now everything we have has settings and you get to put your personal settings in on everything. So our brains are wired to think it's about me. What are my settings? What are my Jesus settings? What are my church settings? Here's the thing. The Christianity isn't about your settings. It's about God. And all of this is headed towards us in a gathering. I, 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 want, I like to be by myself. It says a great multitude that no one could count. That's a lot of people. It's not solo. That's a lot of people. That's where we're going. Ooh. I, 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 like, uh, I like people that are like me. It's not where we're going. A great multitude from every tongue, tribe, ethne. Pontete ethne. The ethnic group. All of them. A great multitude. Thousands of people that are different than you. Okay. That's the future. Well, I, I kind of like to just be alone or if I'm going to be with people, be by myself or I at least like to just kind of be quiet. I like quiet. With a loud voice, they sang to him who sits on the throne and under the lamb. I'm just telling you that this idea of the worth of God, <laughs> zeal for his house, that he would be worshiped, that he would be magnified. It kind of runs cross current with me and my settings and my, fr- my preferences and I, we do it the way you like it, which is every commercial I've ever heard. <laughs> and so 
you gotta, you gotta think different for Sunday. Whew. Okay, Monday, boom. I'm gonna walk into Home Depot and pick out the exact color of paint down to like cherry rose versus blackberry rose, you know, and every paint color, everything is my way. Walk into the house and you go, this, 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 is, this is different, this is about God. We gather for God. Not only do we gather for God, but we gather for each other, for one another. So it's not just me, I'm actually thinking, have in my mind other people. So it's, we gather for the fellowship. I was thinking about this word fellowship. And I'm just gonna go all churchy on you for just a moment. Like, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a pastor's kid. So when I first hear the word fellowship, I think of two things. I think of the Fellowship Hall, which was name of, of the hall in my church growing up in the 80s. What's up? And then I think of the Fellowship of the Ring. And yeah, is that Frodo? Okay, there we got a couple amens on that one. Yeah. So those are, that's, that's really the two, that's the two fellowships that first come to my mind. I mean, I, I know that I should say Acts 2.42 comes to my mind, but I'm just in America enough and living my mind enough that I just go, I see the Fellowship Hall. I see the gold carpet. I see the kids in the 80s with lunchboxes. I just, that's how I see fellowship. And then I see about 20 years ago. Now, I just want to juxtapose those two fellowships because I think actually one of them is actually really right and one of them is actually really wrong. Fellowship, if you think about the Acts 2 concept of fellowship, you've got these believers, they devoted themselves to fellowship. If I have just decided I'm gonna follow Jesus, Acts 2, Pentecost, and I'm going into a new culture here where they have not decided that Jesus is Lord of all. And I'm gonna gather with other believers and we're gonna pray. I'm gonna gather with other believers and we're gonna, we're gonna follow, give our lives, devote our lives to this resurrected rabbi from Galilee. I got a whole different way of thinking about fellowship and relationships because our leaders... <laughs> They're going to prison. Our, our, our savior was crucified on a cross. And so in the culture that I'm living with Roman occupation, I need these other people for survival. I desperately want their friendship and values because I'm living in a countercultural way. But if I think of how I think of fellowship, if I'm honest with you, I tend to think church and I think Fellowship Hall. Fellowship Hall for me growing up, it was the place where the wedding receptions took place. So it was free mints and cake. It was kids playing tag. It was the place where we had Wednesday Night Live, which was where the youth group ate free pizza. It was the place where we had the hallelujah night instead of Halloween. What's up? I mean, it was the place where... You know, it, we've had some serious playing. It's a place where we had old settlers day and we all dressed up in like, I don't even know how that fits in Christianity, but, but somehow we had like where we dressed up pioneer days. I, I don't even know, but that was there. And so when I think of fellowship hall, I think of playing with people in the fellowship hall. And I think sometimes with church, we kind of think that way. Let's get some fellowship. And here's what I think when I think that way now. I think I don't need you to play. I mean... I, I mean, I, I, got, I got people I can hang with at the gym. I got people from work. I got, I, I, I got you got family. You, got, you don't need the church to play. So why do I need fellowship with church people? But if you take that lens off and you put the lens on of Frodo, baby, and you go fellowship of the ring, phew, I got a vision. I'm gonna throw this ring into the 
something, of Mount Forador, I don't know, but I'm gonna throw the ring in and I, I could lose my life and I got some comrades that I pick up along the way that are able to take people out, protect me, love me, walk with me. We got a vision and we're living in a crazy world, but we got a mission and a vision. So I need the nine people in the fellowship to survive. Then the way that you think of fellowship is thank God I got you because you're keeping me alive, brother. Thank God I got you because I'm going to encourage you. We're going to do this thing. We got a mission and a vision. And if we don't have each other, we are in trouble. And I want to tell you something. The way the Christian fellowship works is fellowship of the ring. It is, I need you, you need me, because we are living on mission and we are living different in a culture that's living consumed with self and we're living consumed with God. And if we're living with consumed with God and we're living on mission, then man, people are going to come after us. Ideas are going to come after us and we're going to have to, we need one another. And then I'm gathering with the saints and I'm like, pray for me. I need supernatural power. Talk to me. I'm tempted to give in to lust. Help me. I'm tempted to have greed consume me. Hey, I need you because without comrades and brothers and sisters, I'm in a spiritual warfare battle zone. Without you, I could fall apart. I need you. I love you. I'm living on offense. I'm taking the ring out into the the doom of Mount Dorador or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm on mission. I'll get that right for the second service. I, 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 <laughs> I thought I knew it. I've got, but I'm on mission. You with me? And I'm telling you, when you're living on mission, it's like living on offense, right? NCAA basketball tournament right now. What's up? Or Roberts win. Oh, you win. Woo! It's good. All right. Uh, sorry. All right. So uh, if you're playing basketball, right? And, and, and you refuse to go play offense. You just stay on defense. You will never win. And the whole idea, I love the way that Jesus talks about the church in Matthew 16. He's sitting with his disciples and he says, who do people say that son of man is? And they say, well, some say you're like, um, you're like Elijah. <laughs> some say you're like Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus looks at him, flips it around on him. He says, okay, okay. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Don't just be a parrot of what other people are saying. I want to know you have a relationship with me. Who do you say that I am? And then Peter jumps up and says, hey, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus says, woohoo. Yeah, good job, Peter. And I tell you that on this rock, I'll build my church. And then this is the phrase I want you to get. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Or the gates of Hades. The gates of hell will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Incredible words. Like, I heard that as a child and I literally pictured the church like attacking hell with gates because the gates of hell will not be able to be able to overcome it. I was like, the gates of hell. And I just pictured, because I always had in my mindset that I'm, I'm good, David, and the devil's after me. So somehow I interpreted that as like the gates of hell are going to take me out, you know. But you and I know that gates, they are not offensive weapons. Gates are defensive weapons. So the very nature of the text here is that Jesus is saying the gates of hell won't be able to keep the church out. Why? Because the, the kingdom is through the church on offense. And that word, the, the keys, gates have keys. You, so the idea here is, hey, the kingdom of God opens up the gates and you will be on offense taking out the enemy. Let me tell you something, everybody. It is really easy to live isolated, 
on my own without others, but you start to get together with some others and we pray together and we work together and we encourage one another and we live in love together and we do life together and we worship together and we encourage, strengthen, talk. And then what we're doing is we're communicating to one another. I value, I care about you. I'm gonna pull out of isolation. I know it's so easy to live by myself, isolated on my own, but I'm gonna step out of that and I'm gonna step into walking with some comrades and we've got each other. Holy Spirit alive inside of us. We're the church, and the church has to live on offense. If we just live on defense, we won't win. We'll sit back. Listen, Jesus invites us to his church. Hey, attack. Let's go. And I'm just saying it's easy for me, easy for you, easy for all of us to just kind of sit back and do it our way. I was thinking about just the idea of of uh, fellowship and family and that fellowship functions like a family. But I'm tempted to place on a community what I want a community to be. And then when a community doesn't do what I want it to do, I'm mad at them, somebody. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. He said, he who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. I want it to be, why would we do that? I think we've been trained in it. I think we want the same way that we want to order our burger, everything but ketchup. Nothing but ketchup. I'll do it my way. So our temptation is to just have it be, I'll get this my way. I wanna invite you to think, out of isolation, I'm gonna, my goal is to love. I'm a part of the family of God. First John 3.10 says this, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. This is John, this is not me, but this is strong. This is interesting. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. He's talking family talk. Family of God, family of the devil. And family doesn't always get it right. Have you ever noticed that? But we're still family. So I found myself yesterday, my son's on the front row, I found myself yesterday apologizing to Dawson because I got something wrong. I'm not gonna tell you right now. (laughs) That's safe for a parenting session someday. But I got something wrong. So yesterday morning, the first words out of my mouth were, I pulled my son in and said, I am so sorry. I get things wrong as the pastor. Actually, I was joking around with uh, the team because in the third week of Radiant Church's existence, Taryn Wells texted me and said, hey, I'm in town this weekend. Would you like me to come and sing at your new church? To which I replied, no, we good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea why I did that. I, 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 was, I was wrong. It was dumb. I was, Paul and Nathan were like, what is wrong with you? you know? And I was like, I don't know. I was just thinking, why would we have a guest worship leader? We're like a guest church. We're three weeks old. I don't even know who we are yet. You know? like, it just didn't seem right. In retrospect, I'm like, that would have been cool. I, I'm going to get things wrong. You're going to get things wrong. But here's, here's the reality. If, if I disconnect with family because somebody got something wrong, I'll never have a family. I'll just always be mad at somebody. But as a church, (laughs) we're doing life together as a family and we're committed to people, like proper names, like really love and know people. So you walk in here and, and, and try your best to try to get to know actual people. 
connect with them, talk to them. I was thinking about how easy it is for us to even think of church and only talk about what we do or give a description instead of knowing people and talking with people. So if you came to me and said, tell me about your family. And I said, my family? Oh yeah, we do Tuesday night, Taco Tuesday at Me Ranchito. What? Tell me about your family. Oh, we sit in a booth. It's awesome. At Tuesday night, Taco Tuesday night. No, 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 tell me about your family. Uh, we like queso. Uh, we, we go late because of small groups, so we go pretty late together and hang out together. No, tell me about your family. We order water because Coke is not healthy and costs too much. No, tell me about your family. Here's what you're saying. I want to know about your family. Tell me about Renata, who is in love with Jesus and taking care of kids right now. Or your 16-year-old Dawson, who's fiery and sitting on the front row right now. Or Olivia Faith, who is bedrock in her convictions and cannot be swayed. Or Adeline Grace, who sings like an angel and is a party in every single room she walks in. Or Justice, who is an athlete. That's what you're asking. Tell me about your family. And here's what we do. Tell me about your church. My church? Oh, we meet at Fiorella's. No, 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 tell me about your church. Oh, we got, we got a great worship. No, tell me about your church. Our preacher's incredible. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> here's, here's, here's what we're going, here's the idea. I want you to start thinking, no, no, no. I, I go beyond that. I, 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 let me tell you about the race. I know the race, my church. I, I, I know people. Let me tell you about the Dorinskys. Let me, let me, I got proper names. I know somebody. We're family. We're fellowship. Koinonia. Relationship. So it's more than a system. It's more than just what is delivered to you like tacos on a Tuesday. No, this is the people of God. This is how we hang together. And you go, but listen, David, if I'm sacrificially attending church, sacrificially being a part of a small group or jumping on the dream team or something like that, uh, it's going to take away some other part of my life. I'm inviting you to just recognize the value of koinonia, of fellowship and engaging with it, looking at the scriptures and saying the early church devoted themselves to fellowship. I, I, I will. In fact, I was thinking about from my family, when we gather, every time we gather, somebody gives up a personal preference in order to connect with the family. So if I say, hey, it's Taco Tuesday night, and Dawson says, nah, nah, I got another Zoom call tonight. Here's what Father says. We're not eating without you because you're a part of the family, right? Give up personal preference to join the family. Hey, it's Taco Tuesday night. Livy goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going. I got homework. No, no. In this moment, the way that you honor the family is that you're present, so what we have a tendency to do is say, I'm not giving up personal preferences for the family of God, and I want to invite you to revisit that and think, what does it look like where I enter into the congregation, fellowship with the fellowship of the baptized, the believers, and I worship, and I connect with people, and it's not my own convenience. I got a lens of what does God want? I, I'm seeing this. I gather for God. I gather for others, so my presence is not just about how I feel, how I want. I'm gonna look for the people that I can go in and I can encourage. I'm gonna look for the people that I can love, 
I'm going to look for the people that I can pray for. I'm going to get there early so that I can connect with somebody who looks like they're by themselves. I'm going to stay a little late so I can pray for somebody. I'm going to go hang out a little bit. Now you feel guilty (laughs) for that reception. Don't feel any guilt today. I'm just, I, I want to just invite you just to see it. I think it's so important that we see it through a lens of not just me, but how does God see fellowship? How do, how do, how do I, I gather for others? And then I would just give you one more. We gather for the sake of the world. It's not just for me. We, we gather so that we can live on offense, so that when there's a whole lot of other things going on in an amazing nation where we could all be eating at, at, at snooze that's coming in over here at 135th and Metcalf or, or Whataburger is coming in. There's, I mean, we, li- we live in a great place. This is incredible. But every time that you decide, you know what? I'm gonna gather with the saints and worship. There is people that go, what's with you? Every time that you come and you serve, what's with you? Every time that you decide, I'm gonna take a, uh, a Saturday and serve the poor. I'm gonna give financially. I'm, go- I'm, go- I'm, I'm gonna sit at a coffee shop and open up the Bible and work through the scriptures and help a younger person understand what the word of God says. All those things tell a world that desperately needs Jesus. He is worth it. He's awesome. And you're living on offense. You're, you are literally being the church. You're, you're, you're moving the ball down the field. Sorry, I switched sports on you. You're making a difference. And that's our goal for you, to know God and to find freedom, discover your purpose, to make a difference. I would say that A.W. Tozer calls those who have connected with Jesus the fellowship of the burning heart. I think in America, it's easy to live as the fellowship of the offended heart. Everybody's offended. And it's because we keep putting our own expectations, our own wants above Jesus. And every time we do that, then when we don't get what we want, we out of there. We upset. We're done. We're going to punt. So I want to invite you just to ask God, what does it look like? What are you calling me to? Let me just give you what the author of Hebrews says. It says, Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Here it is, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. That's what I want to do. I want to love them. I want to encourage them all the more till we see the day approaching. So let me give you just these thoughts and we'll go. Number one, I want to invite you to this. Make fellowship a priority in your life. Sit with your spouse. Sit with your parents. Talk to yourself. (laughs) And go, how can I make fellowship a priority in my life? I was with, um, when I was a kid, uh, we were were a we do not miss family. So there are other, other people that were, hey, we could, do church or not do, do church, but Hal and Debbie had a we do not miss mentality. So even so, the funny part about that is that even when we were on vacation, it was actually the opposite. It was not like we don't miss, so we go to church once. It was actually on a Sunday. It was mom and dad's opportunity to say, how many churches can we go to today? Because it's the we only missed one Sunday a year from our church. And so I remember one Sunday when we were about nine, we were in Los Angeles. And I kid you not, on one Sunday morning, we hit church on the way. Jack Hayford, dad taking notes. We hit Crystal Cathedral. I mean, it's nice. That was my favorite church ever. I mean, and when dad taking notes in LA, we, we hit... Uh, 
John MacArthur's church. Boom. What's this? We hit one more. We hit uh, the vineyard. We hit John Wimber's church. We hit four churches on a Sunday, baby. I mean, I'm just telling. But here's what that did. That ingrained in us, we don't miss. My family's backslidden. When we're on vacation, we go to one church, baby. Just kidding. Oh, that's not funny. All right. But I do remember when we, uh, right before we planted the church, we were on vacation in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And uh, Renat and I took our kids to this little tiny church in a coffee shop. And Sunday morning, and I was sitting there, and it was church in a coffee shop. It's a small church. And I just began to just, just this burden, just like, I just looked at Renata and I'm sitting there. It's a little tiny church. And I looked at Renata and I go, I got to do this. God's calling us to plant a church. We got to do this. Come on. And I remember having that, oh, I can't shake this God at work inside of me. And I just want to invite you to embrace the Hal and Debbie way. I want to invite you to just think we're a we don't miss kind of people. I just think that skip church families rarely raise go to church kids. And I just think it's important that we just say, not just my lens, just ask God. God, what does it look like to care about what, what you care about? What does, it, what does it look like if I care like about the people? God, what does it look like? If I care about making a difference in the world, I want the lens. I want to see how God sees. I gather for God. I gather on a Sunday for others. I gather for the sake of the world. And so just make it a priority. And I'm sure, I know when I say that, you go, David, that is hard. I know. Fellowship is inconvenient. It's not comfortable. I just want to invite you to just pray. Ask God. Walk. Number two is just walk across the room when you're here and meet somebody. Love them, pray for them, encourage them, get to know them, ask them their name. Just one, make it a priority. Two, just connect with people to the best that you can. Pray for them. I think even, even if you're in the chats and right now in this season, you're an online only kind of scenario, every single Sunday, just make one connect. What's up? How can I pray for you? Hey, I'm worshiping from this place. Hey, just make some kind of connection. Just try to connect to the best that you can. Just look at based upon, and you do your own research in the scriptures, but just this, how can I walk out fellowship, devoted to fellowship, koinonia, in relationship, not isolation, in relationship. And the last thing I'll say is just this, just embrace it, that fellowship always gets messy. So stay steady, stay steady in the mess. I was looking at even Jesus' little community. And you look at even in Jesus' 12, you had Judas stealing. You had the, you know, the jocks fighting over who's the greatest, right? James and John. Hey, I'm the greatest. You're the greatest. I'm the greatest. Shut up. I'm the greatest, right? I mean, you got betrayal. We're talking about the night of the arrest. They all left Jesus. So we're not talking about a perfect community. We're talking about issues. We're talking about mess. I invite you just stay steady, even when things are hard, all right? Will you bow your heads with me? Let me pray for you. Father, I just ask in Jesus' name, God, that you would help us to walk as a, a fellowship where Jesus is right at the core. I pray that we would gather online, in person, for God. We gather for you, the zeal for your house, 
consumed with God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would gather for one another, not just for my own comforts, but I wanna help, love, pray for, know, talk to, encourage, bless somebody else. And God, I I care about the world that you've called me to live on offense. (laughs) You've called me to make a difference. And I just pray that you would do it in our house today. God, you set the lonely in families. And so those who feel isolated today, I pray that they would find family in this house. God, I imagine a church where there's not loneliness. I imagine a church where we live in koinonia, real fellowship, devoted to fellowship like what we read about in Acts. If you're here today and you wanted to say, I'm, 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 I need a fresh start. I'm living for me. And I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to invite you just from your seat just to pray this prayer if you're online. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Save me. Make me a new person. I want to be a part of the community of faith. Do a fresh work in me today. I give you my life. Not my will, but yours be done in me. Give me a fresh start. I choose to follow you. Amen.